I'm Jeff Sickinga, Executive Director of the Ashbrook Center, and this is The American Idea, coming to you from Peter Schramm's library in Ashland, Ohio. In this podcast, we explore America's crisis in civic education. Too many people today don't understand the history and principles that make us Americans. So we're here to explore America's history and principles and what they mean for today, what we can learn from them, and how we can restore them to their rightful place in our hearts and minds. We think it's the most important thing we can do as Americans to keep our experiment in self-government alive. So thank you for joining us in this important conversation. You can learn more about Ashbrook and the work we're doing with students, teachers, and citizens at ashbrook.org. I want to welcome everybody to this episode of The American Idea. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Congressman Troy Balderson. He represents Ohio's 12th congressional district um, down sort of east of Columbus area and that direction. Um, Congressman Balderson was first elected to the House of Representatives not that long ago uh, in a very close and contested race. <laughs> and we want to talk about his time in public life, the lessons that he's learned, and what he thinks some of the most important challenges are facing Ohio and the United States today. Congressman Balderson, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Jeff, thank you for having me. This is an honor to be here today. Well, you're, you do have a little bit of an unusual biography for a United States congressman. You're not a career politician. <laughs> Tell us about how you first got interested and into politics. I, it's a great question, and it's something, obviously, that we could ask a lot. It, it wasn't so much of an interest that I had. It was just where I was in my life um, at the time that you know, these things started to process through and work through. And um, my family farmed and we had an automobile dealership and uh, my son was graduating from high school and I'd been at the dealership 25 years. Um, and, and, you know, family businesses are hard to do. And I just, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take a little change here and, and, and do something different. Hmm. And politics was not the direction I was intently going, uh, but a state representative that was currently serving uh, in the Ohio House um, uh, had approached me. I was actually working on his one of the vehicles that he owned, and he just said that, you know, you should uh, think about running for my seat. I'm, I'm term limited. Hmm. And I, I, I told him I expressed my dissatisfaction <laughs> with politics and that I probably would not be. I, you know, I, I'd never did public speaking or anything like that. I was involved as a Republican. My father was very engaged uh, in the Republican Party, both at the local level and at the state level uh, back in the good Jim Rhodes days. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, with my son leaving, I was just going to go get another job and, and do something different and just uh, go to Columbus with him. And he said, well, think about it. And I said, okay, well, I'll think about it. I didn't put a lot of thought into it. A couple months went by. He said something again. A couple other people said, "Hey, I, you know, you're one of the people that are talking about running for Jim's seat." I said, "Well, I haven't really made that commitment yet." July rolls around, and uh, you know, the High Republican Party reached out to me and uh, said, "You know, we'd like to sit down with you and Pat Hennessy." And hmm. Pat was the chairman of our party, and we'd like to discuss uh, you running for for state representative. And I wasn't the only one; so there were other mm -hmm. people. I'll never forget that day when I first met the High Republican Party representative that was there and sitting in. Pat's office, I had gout attack, and uh, of all things to have happen. Wow. So I couldn't go with a shoe. I had to put a sandal on because 
my foot was so swelled up it, it would not fit in there. So that's just a little added story to that. Uh, I'm sure my staff will appreciate that. But look, look that, you know, my faith is very strong. And, and I just, you know, to me, God's always had a plan for us. And it just, you know, there were just things that kept opening up and moving forward. Yeah. Uh, that, that this was a path that he wanted to see me step outside of my comfort zone and, and do this. And, um, you know, with that, uh, I stepped out and I ran for state representative and uh, <laughs> I won. So that's how I got started. Um, that first campaign, what was that like for you? Um, it, you know, it really went as hard as everyone makes it out to be because to me, and it's something I'm going to discuss a little bit uh, today, um, is life's a campaign. I mean, we, mm. we really do. I mean, we're selling ourselves every single day. And, you know, for me, it's, you know, meeting new people and, and different things and different ideas of, of what people have and what they want to do. And they want to be listened to. So you just, you know, you mm -hmm. go out, you communicate. The accessibility piece is, is so huge. And that's what I like. I, I, I like that. I like meeting new people. I like learning about new things uh, and, and just hearing everyone's stories. I mean, there's so many you know, gifted stories that are out there of what people have experienced in, in both in hard times and in good times mm -hmm. uh, and, and talking about some of those challenges that they have faced, but also you're talking about their faith and how that moves them forward onto the to the next move in their life. Hmm. Well, now that first race for Ohio State House might not have been as hard as you thought it would be, but your first race for Congress. Uh, Jeff, that was a whole different ballgame. Uh, <laughs> Tell us about that. It, it, it was a time in this country, and we're still kind of dealing with some of that. I know that you, you know, we're going to discuss that too, but it, it was a midterm election. Um, the, the country was pretty separated at the time right now um, with the, you know, with the White House and who was with the White House, but just, you know, we were fighting for Congress and the Republicans were trying to take control of that. Um, the 12th Congressional District was a district that had the suburban. It had Franklin County in it. A third of the population right. of the district was in Franklin County. Um, and, you know, then it went east into the more rural community. So, um, you know, playing both that role of, of, of the rural communities, but the suburbs. And, yeah. you know, we took the same analogy into that that I've done all along. Um, and, and that's just just be yourself. And, and again, just expose yourself, um, you, you know, train yourself to be uncomfortable was a slogan I used to have back in the race days. And hmm. the same thing with campaign to be uncomfortable. So, you know, to be in those challenging positions um, in a time of our country was, was, was tough and it made it much more challenging. And it, was, it, it became a national race. And that's something that yeah. I did not anticipate. I, I recall it, how nationalized it became and how the national media was involved and it seemed like there was a lot of criticism of you and your campaign in the national media including by people who really didn't know you at all correct yes and how do you handle that oh you just got to go with it you just don't don't let <laughs> this is a tough business and uh life's tough sometimes too so you you keep your faith and and you know who you are and stay grounded and and circle yourself with people that love you and care about you and make sure that, you know, you're going to stay on that path. And, that, and that's what friends are for. And mm. that, that's what you do. So that, you know, that doesn't really impact me. Yeah. Some days you think, oh, wow, they don't even know who I am. And they're saying those negative things about me. Um, but it became even international. I have a close friend of mine was out in, in, in Colorado uh, and he was listening to BBC and it, it talked about my congressional race. Right. He just, he called me up on the telephone and said, hey, man, you're on BBC. How big is this thing? He really hadn't heard that much about it. 
you know, we worked hard and, and I say we, that this, this was a group of, of, of people that, again, I can't emphasize that enough of, of what that means to have with you when you do it. This isn't, you know, when you get in something like that, this, it's, it's not a one-man show. So you're, of course, here today at Ashbrook, and you're going to be giving a major issue lecture series, Luncheon Talk, and it's, it's entitled Battle for the Suburbs. And as you just were saying, your original congressional district, a third of it was Franklin County and the east suburbs uh, of Columbus in that area. Um, tell, give us, our listeners, some insights in what you think, in your experience with the suburban aspects of the congressional district. What is the battle for the suburbs that's going on now across the country? It's, it's messaging, and it's, it's just about what's happening with this country and, and try to bring everybody back together again. I mean, you know, again, and we'll talk about it today, but, you know, Hillary Clinton, and she lost in 2016 because she tried to put deplorables in a basket and she tried to separate. You can't do that in campaigns. I mean, you know, we want to separate the suburbans, and yes, it's different, you know, ideas and, and, and thoughts from a rural maybe community. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, our constituents, the people that we represent, pretty much focus on the top three items. And that's the economy, that's their paycheck, uh, that's what inflation and the rising cost of goods may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but security, I mean, th- those are the things that, that they all care about, whether they're suburban or whether they're rural. But in that particular time frame during this, you know, it was a, like I said before, it was the midterm. Mm-hmm. So that made all the difference in the world. And, you know, President Trump, though we all agree with a lot of his policies that he was doing, it was his mannerism that he did that a lot of uh, suburban will use the women more, more so than any, but mm-hmm. some men also, but they just didn't like that approach. And, and they weren't used to that approach coming from a sitting U.S. president. Mm-hmm. So over time, obviously, as a U.S. representative now, you've you've served several terms and you're into this and um, you're looking back at it now. What are some of the lessons that you've learned about Congress being in Congress and trying to be effective for your district in Congress? Jeff, it's, you know, again, you know, I try not to make this as complicated as it can become, but building relationships. Um, don't look at somebody with an RD beside their name. Look at somebody that has the same background. Look at someone that has the same district um, that you represent. And that's how we've been successful in getting amendments. We're in the minority now as Republicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will gain the House back in 2023. Right. Um, Our listeners heard it here first. Yes, they heard it first. <laughs> um, but, you know, in, in I've got great stories. I mean, you know, I've sat, I, I sit on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee and you know, I'm trying to get this amendment in and, you know, I have to work with a Democrat colleague to get that in, to help me mm-hmm. reinforce, to make sure that we get that amendment in. And, you know, I'm Googling, as I'm saying the committee, I'm Googling names and trying to find somebody that represents a, uh, a similar area that I have in the same background. Mm-hmm. And the story leads for me on that is, is Lizzie Fletcher's on the other side. She represents Houston, Texas, very big oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. The issue that the amendment was for pipeline safety that I was trying to get uh, amendment into the bill. And then lo and behold, I look now, I, I, I love Ashley, you know that, but she was a graduate of Kenyon college. How about that? And, uh, I thought, here we go. So, you know, I'd meet her outside the doorway. Would you, uh, uh take a look at this amendment mm-hmm. and work with our staff? And, uh, we got the amendment in, she made a couple changes, but that's okay. Uh, and we were able to get that done. That's an interesting story because if you listen to the media today, uh, there's so much conversation about how hyper-partisan 
the country is, including Congress. And it sometimes gives the impression that congressmen and women really don't work together at all if they're in if they're not in the same party. And and I tell everyone this in every speaking engagement or every opportunity that I have that look, there, there are over 200 members of Congress that you don't see on TV that are trying to make that accomplishment and work together. And, and we do mm. do that. Um, it does happen. I, I'm there, so I know it happens. And, you know, all my friends, um, whether they're Republican or Democrat, I mean, yeah, sometimes it's a little bit more challenging, but, you know, it goes back to what I said before, you know, challenge yourself, train to be uncomfortable. So if it involves a tough conversation, have that conversation and, and work through those issues. And I just, that's something that we have to do in everyday life. So we certainly should be able to do it in Congress. What are your, you mentioned 2023, and if the Republicans happen to take back the U.S. House in 2023, what are you, what do you think are the top, ought to be the top legislative priorities for Republicans in the House? You know, we're working on that right now, but obviously the number one issue that we hear um, as we're out and about in the congressional district right now um, is the rising cost of goods. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the, the inflation that, that's happening right now uh, is impacting everyone, uh, all the way from the you know, seniors to the middle class, to the upper, I mean, everything is costing more. And for those that, you know, have had pay increases, I mean, that's now being impacted by the heavily priced goods that they have right now. I think energy is going to be definitely on the conversation, needs to be on the conversation. Mm. Um, and, you know, we're going to follow up with some of those things and, and talk about that. Um, crime, um, the safety of, of not only our children, but what, what's happening in the, in the streets of some of these bigger cities. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's a big deal, and it's impactful in the congressional district that I represent. Uh, education obviously has come into light here in the last couple of years. We saw a race in Virginia, uh, run by Mr. Youngkin, that uh, pretty much based most of his campaign not only on the economy and the rising cost of goods, but education and, and parents' rights. When you're in Congress, and this is something we often talk about with our students, um, do you, how do you, what do you base your vote on? Do you base your vote on what your constituents want, what you think is in the best interest of your district, what you think is in the best interest of the United States, or is it some mix of that, or does it depend on the issue? How do you think about what you're going to base your vote on? It's a combination of all the above, D, for the, <laughs> Fair enough. For the answer. Um, you know, definitely look at the district. Um, and, and who we represent. That's our top priority. It's, it's the congressional district that we represent. Mm -hmm. We look at that first. Um, and, and when you get to that conclusion and to get to, I mean, what's going to benefit the district, again, is going to benefit the state of Ohio, then it goes to the national level. So I think once you come to peace of, of what you're going to do, but it's, it's, it's getting responses, it's communicating. Like, again, the, one of the biggest things that we have in, in, in our office and staff and, and all of us pride ourselves on this. It's the accessibility. Hmm. Everyone wants to have the accessibility. We can't find out information if we don't make ourselves accessible. And I think that sometimes misses um, from the elected officials' life. You know, we, we get so wrapped up in so many different things that we don't get out there enough. And I, I think that's a big part of it. You're going to find out what everyone's talking about um, mm -hmm. and, and what their concerns are. And that's it, it, it simplifies it a little bit as to what we're going to do. Um, you know, we break bills down, we go through them, we look at them, we see what the negatives are going to be, we look at the positives, uh, you put those two together, um, and, and that's how we pretty much base how we do it. But mm -hmm. it's district-driven, and it's a really good way to do it. It's been very successful for me. I mean, you know, I may not agree with something, but 
I know what the majority of the district wants from me, and I'm there to represent that district, not Troy Balderson. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, that's interesting you say that because some some members of Congress are are not as well known for doing things like wanting to be out there at, at meetings across the district, wanting to have town halls. Sometimes folks have avoided those, especially when there have been divisive issues and they were afraid angry people were going to show up. What's your view on that? Campaign of being uh, uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't mean to keep going back to that, but it's just, it's a, it's a great slogan for me. And um, because you have to be in those uncomfortable situations, whether you may not that you know they're not going to agree with you. But we have done things when, when we were first during the congressional race, um, you know, with my staff, there was a township trustee, and I'll talk about that today at the lunch, that, you know, she was Republican, but she was very, very upset with the Republican Party. She was from uh, one of the suburban areas, mm-hmm. and she said, I, I want to talk to you. I, I, and so I knew that it was going to be challenging, but I said, I would love to sit down with you and, and hear your issues. Hmm. She had a legal pad of over 20 questions wow. that she had. She voted for me, and she wasn't going to vote for me before we sat down um, to, to over coffee is what we did in Dublin. Hmm. But she sat down with me because I sat there and I listened to her. And, and that's the other big important thing to do, and I said that earlier here on our podcast. I mean, most of your constituents just want to be listened to. They, they want you to hear what they're saying so we have an understanding of what they're dealing with and what they're going through. So for her, Mary was her name. I won't give her, um, you know, it was, she was just impressed. And, and she was grateful that I took, gave her the opportunity mm-hmm. to sit down with me uh, to discuss her issues and her concerns. Yeah, interesting. Well, just just listening. Listening. Yeah. Um, you know, this is Ashbrook. We we always think it's important to study American history mm-hmm. and study the great figures and events of American history. And we always like to ask uh, guests on our podcast who their favorite person is in American history. You know, I've got I've got a couple, and I'll tell you my reasons. But and I know everyone says, "Oh, it's always Lincoln," but Lincoln to me is just, I mean, the grace that he carried. And you try to mimic some of the characteristics that he brings. And, and one of those things was he was a great leader and he was a great listener and he was a great communicator. You know, the good Lord would give me the ability to do a speech like he would, would be wonderful. But we, get, we, get, <laughs> we should all strive yeah, for that. Yeah, we, we should all strive for that. Um, but just, you know, what he did and he made himself accessible. I mean, he put himself in the middle of the situation in one of the greatest situations of this country's ever dealt with mm-hmm. uh, with the Civil War. Um, the other really impressive person to me was the first president that I got to vote for, and that was Ronald Reagan. Huh. And, um, you know, he, he was the true Republican to me uh, in, in, in what this party stands for. And, uh, you know, less government, less regulations. I mean, that's, I, I, from the business background that I come from, that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, mm-hmm. we, you know, we, we want to be able to, for the people to provide for themselves and do what they can do. Mm-hmm. Well, those are two really, really good examples. Yeah. <laughs> good choices. Thank you. <laughs> um, young people who are considering going into public life. Um, you've had some experience now. Undoubtedly, you've, you've had your challenges. You've had challenging campaigns. Um, what lessons have you learned? What advice would you give those young people who are considering public life. You know, Jeff, and the first thing that I always go to is that circle. 
around you, of uh, people that love you and care about you. Get them around you. You want them to be able to tell you when you're messing up, and they're going to tell you when you're doing the right things. And I, I can't emphasize that enough because, you know, in the life that we lead and in the roles that we become in, whether it's a, you know, a township trustee or a, you know, a county commissioner or a mayor or, you know, a state legislature and all the way up to Congress, people are always going to tell us the right things and what we think we want to hear. They're, they're afraid to tell us what their real thoughts are. And that's why it's important that you have to circle yourself with people that are going to be honest with you. Mm. And for them to be honest, sometimes that they have to look, I mean, it takes love to be able to do that uh, because you care about that person to tell them the right thing. It, it's hard for people to, to do that. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, communicate. You, you, you just can't get out enough um, and, mm. and, and learn um, the, the, the listening that we've talked about. And that goes to the whole communicating piece. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Chris Matthews did a book back in 2007, and I told my staff this. I had read it back then uh, before I started running for office and it said life's a campaign and the relationships that you make, um, the experience of life. I mean, the book that I'm going to be able to write when I'm done in politics and elected <laughs> office, it's going to be a lot of what goes on no matter where we are. And um, I say that with a smile on my face about a book, but I, I, I've tried to document as much as I can. Um, I, I have been blessed to meet some really, really neat people mm -hmm. and, you know, people that have battled and, and whether that's from an opioid addiction or if they're, you know, whatever from being, you know, homeless on the street or um, wh wherever it might be from. And there are success stories where you get to meet people, too. And you pinch yourself. I mean, my first state of the union, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm saying, oh, my gosh, I mean, I, I'm sitting in. in in, in, in Congress, listening to a president give a State of the Union address. And to me, every kid from Appalachia, I'm, I'm from Appalachia, I, I love the Appalachia kids, I, I love what it means and, and, and what they can bring to the table, but to, to know and to be able to go back to them and say to them, don't give up. It, work hard and you can accomplish anything you want to do. And that's the other thing, it's just working hard, don't give up. Um, and, and, and find those resources around you uh, that are going to mentor you and, and guide you and get you where you need to be. You know, it's just I, I save as much as I can save and, and, and write as much as I can write mm. of those stories so I can share those stories when I go out and about. Well, that's terrific. That's great advice. <laughs> Con Congressman Troy Balderson, thank you so much for joining us. Thank today. you, Jeff. appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The American Idea, a production of the Ashbrook Center. We're here to explore America's history and principles and what they mean for today, what we can learn from them, and how we can restore them to their rightful place in our hearts and minds. We think it's the most important thing we can do as Americans to keep our experiment in self-government alive. So thank you for joining us in this important conversation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a five-star review and like, follow, or subscribe on your platform of choice. You can learn more about Ashbrook and the work we're doing with students, teachers, and citizens at ashbrook.org. Thanks again for joining us.